Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. The Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 11 and verses 1 through to 9. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness. He will judge the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash round his waist. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the earth. Within the midst of darkness and uh, hopelessness, the prophet Isaiah gives a very vivid picture of hope. A young green shoot growing from an old-looking, dead-looking stump. We read in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1, The shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The tree looks dead. It looks as though the tree has been chopped down. But there's this a green shoot growing from it. There is still hope. Why did they need hope? Well, it's about 700 years before Jesus is born and their world seems to be a mess. And it all started to get really bad when King Ahaz, the king of Judah, turned his back on God and decided to trust in his own plans rather than trusting God. Trust in his own scheme of a a treaty with Assyria rather than trusting God. And unfortunately for Ahaz, Assyria broke the treaty. And now Assyria was invading Judah. And was literally destroying the people. Many of them were taken off into captivity. Others were forced to take refuge in foreign countries. But they were all suffering. Moreover, the rulers in Judah were corrupt. They were exploiting the poor. They were accepting bribes. They were taking advantage of the widows and, and, the, uh, and the orphans. They were exploiting their own people. And the reason for this was because the king had turned his back on God, the rulers, 
had turned their backs on God and even the people had turned their backs on God. Oh, they still went to temple. They were still making sacrifices. They still looked very religious. But they did not know God. They did not know God personally. They did not love God. They did not have a heart for God and a heart for the things of God. And so when they looked at their world, the world looked as though it was a mess. It didn't look as though God was ruling. It looked as though evil was ruling the day. There was violence and wars. There was corruption and exploitation. And there was this dry religion. There was a darkness over the world. And it felt as though God had abandoned them. Felt as though the world was a mess. And yet, as you remember a few weeks back, we looked in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, that God had given them a sign that a young woman would have a child and this son would be the future king and he would be called Emmanuel. God is with us. And then we looked at Christmas Day, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, how this new king, the birth of the new king, and how he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And how this new king would bring light that would dispel the darkness. He would bring justice and peace and harmony to the world. And so all the people were putting their hopes on the new king, on a descendant of King David, the greatest king of Judah. And they believed that it was this new king that would lead them back to God, and that it was this new king that would bring justice and peace and harmony to the whole world. But the problem, of course, was that the king seemed to be the problem. <laughs> the king had turned his back on God. And it seemed as though God had given up on the king. And it seemed as though the Assyrians had defeated the king. And it definitely later seemed that the Babylonians had totally destroyed the monarchy. The tree had been chopped down. Their hopes were dashed. And it's within this context that the prophet Isaiah says in verse 1, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Although the tree looked as though it had been chopped down, there was still a green shoot growing from that old stump. There was still hope. And we read in verse 2, that the Spirit of the Lord would rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Just as David had been anointed with the Holy Spirit, this new future king would be anointed with the Holy Spirit, with the spirit of wisdom. And the Holy Spirit would give him wisdom and understanding. Unlike the the arrogant Assyrian kings who in Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 13 says, By the strength of my hand I have done this. By my wisdom because I have understanding. Unlike that, this new king wouldn't arrogantly rely on his own strength, wouldn't arrogantly rely on his own wisdom and understanding. He wouldn't arrogantly do what he thinks is best. But he would humbly receive wisdom from God. 
And it says in verse 3, And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding and wisdom. For the fear of the Lord is essentially respecting God. But it's far more than just respect. I mean, imagine for a moment that God would appear here right now in all His glory, in His naked divinity, right here, right now, in this room. Do you think we would respond, hmm, I respect that. No, we would fall flat on our face in awe and in wonder. That is to fear God. To fear God is to be so in awe with God that your greatest desire, your only desire is to please Him. It's to respect God so much. It's to respect God more than anything else. It's to have that desire to please God by doing what is right more than anything else. And it's because this future king will have the the Holy Spirit giving him wisdom and because he would delight in the fear of God that he would be a good judge, that he would be an honest and fair judge. And we continue to read in verse 3, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. In other words, he's going to have insight that goes beyond mere appearances to the actual reality. It means he's not going to be fooled by appearances. He's not going to be fooled by false evidence or clever arguments by the barrister. He's going to see the reality. goes on in verse 4, But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. This is in contrast to the rulers of Isaiah's day. We read in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 23, Your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. In total contrast to this, this future king will not accept bribes. He will not exploit the poor and the needy, but rather this future king will defend the poor and the needy. He will judge in fairness and in truth. And as a result, all people will trust him. And the result of his fair judgments is that there would be peace. There would be global peace because of his judgments. We read in verse 6 and verses 7 and 8. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed the bear. The young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. Over here, the prophet Isaiah uses picture language of a a wolf and a lamb living together to symbolize peace and harmony between the nations. The fierce, big fierce nations like Assyria and Babylon are depicted as the wolf and the lion. 
while the smaller nations like Judah are depicted like the Lamb. And so this symbolizes that there will be global peace and harmony amongst the nations. And uh, Isaiah also uses the imagery from the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis to symbolize the removal of evil from the world. So once again, the animals are depicted as being herbivores, and we see that the, the old hostility between the snake, the symbol of evil, and humans has been removed. So all of this symbolizes that the evil that entered the world would be removed, and that there would be a global peace and harmony amongst all nations. This is summed up in verse 9 for us, where it says in verse 9, they will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain. There will be peace and harmony between the nations. Why? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Everyone would know God. Everyone would know God and God's will for their life, how God wants them to live. And it's the future king who is going to make God known and God's ways known to everyone. Again, we see this if we go back to uh, chapter 2 and look at verses 3 to 4. It says, Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways so that we may walk in His paths. The Lord will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between nations and settle disputes for many peoples. And the result of this? They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. There would be peace and harmony because they would know God. You see, the future king would settle their disputes and he would make God and God's ways known to them all. And this would lead to peace. And this is their hope. This is the hope they have. Even though when they look at their world, they, they, it just looks like it's a mess. They look at the world and it looks as though evil is ruling. There is wars and violence. There is exploitation and corruption. And there's just this dry religion. But yet they have a hope that there will be a shoot that will come up from the stump of Jesse. And they clung on to this hope even when Jerusalem was totally destroyed, even when they were all taken off into captivity, they still hung on to this hope. For 700 years they hung on to this hope. And finally it was fulfilled when Jesus was born. For He is the shoot from the stump of Jesse. And at His baptism, He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And he identified with the poor and the oppressed. He stood up against those who were exploiting the poor. And he defeated evil. He didn't defeat evil the way they were expecting. He didn't defeat evil with military might, which is how they were expecting. Actually, if we go back and just quickly have a look, if we go back and just quickly have a look at, at the end of verse 4, it says that he will strike the earth with a rod. Of his mouth, he will breathe with his lips, and he will slay the wicked. 
That means he doesn't, he doesn't rule in a powerless court. He rules in a court that has power. He will destroy all evil. But how? With military might? No. With the word of his mouth. With the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. In other words, by his very word, by his very pronouncement against evil, evil will be dispelled. Evil will be destroyed. But still in the first century, the Jews kind of thought that that would still happen through military might. That is kind of what they were expecting. But Jesus didn't defeat evil with military might. But he defeated evil by dying. Can you imagine how shocked the Jews must have been when their future king, the shoot from the stump of Jesse, died? I mean, where does it say anything about him dying? Well, there is one place in Isaiah chapter 53, and we'll be looking at that next week. But on the cross, Jesus decisively wins the battle against evil. But yet today, as we look at the world, we, it still looks as though our world is a mess. It still looks as though evil is ruling the day. There are still, there's still violence and wars. There's still corruption and exploitation. There's still a, a, dry, a dry religion within the world. But we know that Jesus has won the decisive victory against evil, sin and death on the cross because His resurrection proves it. And therefore we have a hope but it's a sure and a certain hope that when Jesus returns, everything will be the way it should be. That evil, sin, and death will be completely destroyed forever. And the justice and the peace and the harmony that we see in Isaiah chapter 11 will be fully realized. So we too live in hope just as they did. But we have a sure and a certain hope. That this will happen. And just as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, God's kingdom will come. God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our hope. But what do we do now in the meantime? I mean, do we just sit back and relax and wait and say, we wait for Jesus to come and fix, fix all the problems? No. This hope should inspire us to seek and to work for social justice and peace in the world now, knowing that ultimately we will not fail, ultimately we will succeed. You see, Jesus came, the root came, but he left us a challenge to follow his example, to stand up against all oppression, to welcome the outsider and the orphan and the widow. To work against a dry religion. And just like when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. The implication is now. Now. And it starts with us. It starts with God's will being manifested in our life. I mean we all want to be treated fairly. But often we don't treat others fairly. I mean, I hate it if someone judges, uh, bases their judgments on me, on, on appearances, on false evidence, or on hearsay. But I often judge others with the exact same criteria. 
the exact same standard. We need to treat people fairly. In fact, we need to treat people the way Jesus treats us. With grace, forgiveness, and love. I don't know how you're doing at the moment. I don't know if you are facing a a seemingly hopeless situation. Perhaps it feels as, as though your life is a mess. Perhaps it feels as though all your dreams and hopes have been chopped down and nothing remains but a dry old stump. Well, if that's how you feel, then this is what I believe God is saying to you today. And I believe this is a word for someone. God is saying, Look, there is a green shoot growing from that old stump. There is hope. When your dreams and your hopes feel like they've been chopped down like a tree and just a stump remains, God is able to produce a green shoot out of that stump and it will bear much fruit. It will be greater than the previous tree. But in order for that to happen, you need to turn back to God. You need to trust God that God will grow that shoot. So will you turn back to God afresh today? Will you trust God to grow that shoot from that old stump? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that even when everything looks hopeless, even when the tree looks like it's been chopped down, you are able to produce a new shoot that will even be greater than the previous. And Father, we thank you in the past as we see people, the the, the ancient Israelites in despair as they look at the monarchy being destroyed. And yet out of the ashes, out of that old stump, came Jesus. And we have a greater hope and and a certain hope in Him. And Father, we thank You that You can do that with our lives. When situations look just like an old stump, when it looks like that tree has been chopped down, that there's no more hope, no way forward, out of that old stump You can produce a green shoot. And Father, we pray that You would do that for us again. Help us to trust You. Father, this morning we want to commit our life. We want to commit our dreams and our hopes to you. We want to hand them to you right now. Father, we don't want to trust in ourselves and our own schemes and our plans, but we lay it before you and we say, Father, won't you grow that green shoot in my life? Won't you produce great fruit in my life? We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.